What is up, fam? Welcome back to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess. And welcome to a new series that I'm starting called The Art of Beer, where I'm chatting with artists to work with breweries. Whether that means designing labels, merch, or even taproom designs, I'm going to be getting into the minds of the artists to give breweries a distinct feel and perhaps even allow you to connect with a brewery through art. And this is the very last episode of 2019, of this decade, of this era. And I'm cutting it real close, but you know what? Slid one more episode in there for you. But before we get into it, um, we got to talk about what I'm drinking right now. I have in front of me one of my favorite Pilsners ever, Russian River STS. Uh, I've always called it a Czech Pils, but <laughs> I think I read the side for maybe the first time ever. And it just says uh, Keller Beer Pils. So that that really leaves up the... Uh, the region <laughs> up to the drinker, I suppose. It's always tasted like a Czech pills to me, but it just, oh man, it is so nice and bitter. It's so crisp, so well attenuated. Like, and now that I'm looking at it, it, it is a Keller bear. Like it, it's got some haze to it, I guess. That's not anything <laughs> I really paid attention to. Maybe just because I love this beer so much that I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Let me drink this. I was back in California. Uh, seeing my family for the holidays and you know your girl had to stop by Russian River pick up some bottles um, overload my suitcase and barely get it to zip up because I, I just like can't not be traveling somewhere and bring back beer with me also really quick uh, corrections corner in this episode I say that Bach means goat it means ram um, so I was real close I was almost there so let's get into our guest for today. I am joined by muralist and illustrator Connor McPherson. If you enjoy drinking beer in Seattle or Bellingham, Washington, you may know his work. Uh, most recognizable, I think, is the mural and label work he's done for Aslan Brewing Company. Uh, he does the illustrations on the bottles um, that usually carry the more specialty beers like the Fruited Saison series, Dojo. Uh, and, and pretty much anything that's fermenting or being aged in a barrel, his artwork is usually thrown on there. And his work is really fluid. It's got this distinct imagery of like these malleable, slightly psychedelic humans and creatures and a combination of all of that. And it's often with uh, these this bright and mesmerizing color palettes. It's really fun work. So please make sure to follow him on Instagram. His handle is illustrative west to see the, the work he's been doing and if you're interested go out and buy some aslan beer <laughs> get his artwork in your home and if you're ever in the seattle area come through to the aslan tap room that we have in fremont and see his work firsthand and possibly even get a beer sling to you by him uh, so we recorded this episode in an artist loft and a workshop in soto in seattle and it was just some real OG grunge DIY vibes. It was uh, like, while it felt a little sketchy, like uh, going through do not enter signs and crossing train tracks and shit, the spot ended up being really cool. And it was a history for him as an artist too. And as we're wrapping things up for the end of the year, I want to thank everyone who has listened throughout the year. I It is my, you know, I don't like to say resolutions. Like I think... 
that's actually not the best word because the idea of a resolution is very final. Like you come to a resolution, there is a problem and you find the answer and then it's wrapped up and it's done. But that's not really realistic for just human behavior. So I like to think of the new year in goals. I think that's a more approachable word. And they don't feel like a failure if it's not resolved. You know, life isn't a problem to be resolved. Life is a place to be growing. And so one of my goals for this year is to be more consistent with the podcast and just put out more fun interviews and conversations with uh, maybe people you're not expecting. Um, and just make it feel like, you know, you're hanging out and drinking a beer with us, which is the whole point of Cheers to Beers. So if you're into it, if you dig it, follow me on Instagram at Just Just Beer um, for more beer content as always. And you guys, let's get into it. Last episode of 2019, we're going to dive right into this episode where we are talking about the persistence that you need as an artist and as a freelancer, Connor's travels around the world, anime club, and I feel like this quote that he says just really sums up our conversation, which I believe is a quote from someone else. Uh, So I'm going to quote this quote. You have to leave the window open for a little magic to come in. I think that really sums up the type of artist that Connor is and the type of work he produces. So, you know, grab a beer and join us. Indulge in an artistic conversation and cheers we'll see you in 2020 like uh they'll just drink something like really sweet or makes their mouth kind of sticky and then just do like a yeah dude, like the like mouth noises 25 minutes of mouth noises so i'm here with connor mcpherson you're going to be my very first artist in my the art of beer series where Ooh. yeah where i'll be talking to artists to do artwork for breweries and uh, beer labels so what's this first beer that we're drinking what'd you pick out i picked out the double decocted doppelbach um the hallucinator from matchless and standard brewing it's like a little collaboration beer yes i am stoked about this uh one because it's definitely box season dark loggers they're all in right now um love me some matchless love me some standard so i'm excited to see what they've kind of put together um i don't know if i've ever had a lager from matchless but i have from standard and they've always been great so i think this is going to be a good one and so remember when we had the naming contest right. at work, right? And so that was for a Bach. And yeah. I remember in the description, um, whoever sent it out said that a lot of times Bachs, they end in Ader, like yeah. A-T-O-R. Right. So like, I love how they went along with this yep. as well. And, and Bach has something to do with goats as well. Right. I think Bach means goat oh. in German. There you, straight away. There I you go. might be wrong though. So I'll have to uh, fact check that. Yeah. Well, I, I won the naming competition for that yes. beer, yeah, and yeah. I had to, I got to do some, and I can't quite remember now, but the Ader had to do something with like the, um, one of the names of the original monks or something like that. Yeah, or it was like one of the first like classified box was yeah. like something. Ended Ader. with an Ader, so yeah, not yeah, everyone yeah. does. But also this this worked well because it's Friday the thirteenth. Yes. And this has a double headed, creepy looking goat on love here. Love it. I love it. So it's probably going to be extra evil. It should be. And good for us. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like Connor said, double decocted, and it's got a two-headed goat. So they're definitely working with some fun imagery and yeah. um, like wordplay there. Yeah. Um, okay, should we open it? Yeah. Okay, open you it. open it. And okay. I'll- yeah. 
Excellent. So the thing with box too, especially a Doppelbock, is there can be a pretty wide range of the style. You can, it can be anywhere from pretty pale to pretty dark. Um, actually, earlier today, I had um, a Doppelbock from Wayfinder from Portland. They're like my favorite lager brewery in Portland. Mm. Theirs was incredibly dark, but this one is kind of like a little mid color. It's kind of amber, kind of yeah. almost like light brown. Right. It's not so bad. So I think we're going to kind of be in the middle of the ground here. Um, before we drink, shall we cheers? Cheers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty sweet. It is sweet. And like a very viscous, like barley wine-esque. Dude, you're right. Like a lot, actually, uh, there's like some a lot of um, like dried fruit flavors, yeah. the way that barley wine can yeah. be. Definitely lighter body, but it is uh, it is a little bit on the sweeter side. And 6.8%, mm-hmm. which is about about right for those two, right? Mm-hmm. See, this is the thing, though. Is I, I'm making the art for a lot of these beers, and, mm-hmm. I, and I've had my own ran- rambling beer experience. But I never really, like, honed in on learning too much. I'd pick up little scraps. For sure. Um, which is why I'm always excited when I'm working with you, because I know I can just... Like Jess, <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> well, and I think that's what's so much fun about working in this industry is like we all have our certain strengths. So you're constantly learning. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel like you don't have to know exactly. Like, I don't think the artwork has to dictate. Like, I'm sorry, the style doesn't have to dictate the artwork necessarily. No. Yeah, I don't think you so know? either. Um, in this case, I think it's clever and it's good and it totally works. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, you know, and I think that's probably a thing with breweries when they're either like hiring or contracting out artists is like knowing that you have to have a certain amount of freedom to give the artist. Otherwise, you're just not going to get good work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you, yeah. You try to control anything too much in it and it kind of takes away from it. Yeah. And I've actually seen that firsthand where you hire someone because you like their style and then you are like, but I want this specific thing. Yeah. And then the artist is like okay, well, I can do that, but it's not going to look good yeah. <laughs> because it's not what I do. Yeah, yeah. I've had people ask me to do like pet portraits before, mm, which yeah. I get is like, that's totally a thing. It is. But it's not my thing. And I was right. like, I can't, like, have you seen what I've done previously? <laughs> like, <laughs> I could do this, but it's not going to be like, you're what you think you're going to get. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Yeah, it's funny when people, and I think that's like a, a tattoo artist, like, oh yeah, they deal with that daily. For sure. Like every time someone like, I love what you do, but can you do this? Right. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you because we were talking about tattoos the other day. Um, how it's, I feel like it's kind of like the goal for a tattoo artist when you can get to the point where you only do your own custom. Yeah. Your, your it's not custom for the customer, yeah. but it's like what you do is all that you sell yeah the only thing you do yes and that's kind of like it's really fucking cool to get to that point as an artist and i feel like you've talked about this as well where you've been able to um get some jobs where they just let you do what you want to do and that's like i think that's definitely a turning point in terms of a artist career right yeah there was a lot of early jobs where definitely not i don't think my skill set was necessarily the same Mm -hmm. in the beginning either but it was just you doing things just to to be able to say you did things right and it wasn't necessarily what you wanted to do yeah yeah but more recently it's been a lot more of like yeah just just go for it do you the fe- dream yeah do you feel like when you had other people when you've had um clients be like i want this and this and this do you think it like pushed you as an artist to kind of like step outside of your comfort zone or yeah. like was it 
I don't know. It kind of seems like it'd be more annoying than it would be like a growth thing. But like, I think it's just a necessary, like I would say you'd be very lucky, either very lucky or like so talented that no one can even question. Like there's no other option. Right. But for a lot of people or a lot of artists, it's just kind of what you have to do a little bit. Like I, I learned a lot from those things. I learned how to think outside my own stuff. I learned how to negotiate with yeah, businesses and clients. And I learned like what I can't do and what I can't. And so a lot of shitty things maybe, but like it's got me to the point now where I feel more confident in saying this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And this is like what I want to do. Right. For sure. So it just had to happen that way. I don't Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I feel and it's like funny to inevitable. look back. Like I look, I have s- random little murals or like jobs that I've done. And I, if I drive by them or see them out in public, like I wince sometimes I'm like fuck <laughs> well yeah dude that's like that's the whole process rough. of being an artist and I feel the same way about my podcasting because my very first episodes are embarrassing yeah, like exactly. I'm like I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about yeah. but <laughs> at the same time it's kind of like having a portfolio where you kind of see how you evolve and I think that is important to not erase your growth as an artist, mm. but to recognize that you're that you are constantly growing and it's okay to have, you know, products that aren't as good as they right. are now, because that's the whole point is that you're consistently like honing in on your craft yeah. and like getting to a better point. Yeah. And that's just where you were then. Exactly. And hopefully you're better now. Or yeah. Like yeah. Gone another way or done something. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like a timeline of where you can see like. I can even like tell, you know, where I was in life based on oh, like yeah. something I've done. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was like going through this here or like, oh, I was in like a really good spot here. And that's yeah. why like my energy levels at this. Yeah. It's like the rings on a tree. You can kind of yes, see that. Yes. <laughs> totally. The tree didn't get much water this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it got a lot of water. I, I've, I feel you on that, but I also, at least with the murals, I want to go back and just like wipe those those things out. Yeah. I want to like er- I do want to erase them. I want them gone from the world. I want them like out of people's minds and just and so I can come back and do something else new. Mm-hmm. Like not for anyone else to do. I just want to like redo my thing right. on that spot. Is that something that is kind of common with mural work? Like the idea of being able to, you know, paint over and start over again? I think I think it's becoming more common now. The history of murals was a bit more like there were a lot there used to be way less of them mm-hmm. and and if they were going up they were going to stay around for a while this is different than like graffiti i would say sure. i don't know a whole lot about that but yeah. like just murals in general but now it's kind of becoming more of like they have mural fests where they mm-hmm. hang around for maybe a year two years okay and cool. then the whole place gets whitewashed yeah and more murals come in so it's a lot more ephemeral and like right fluid i guess that reminds me of um this like art quote-unquote show that I would go to every year with my parents it was um like chalk on the street yeah um so it was like in the area that I grew up and um they'd like the city would block off the streets it was like for a weekend and then artists came in and did like incredible chalk work on the streets but then it's just for the weekend yeah Yeah. and And then like cars come back on the road and you know it it disappears so there's something kind of exciting about like a uh, art for just the moment. Yeah. Because at that point it becomes more of like a personal experience that you're having with it because you know, it's fleeting. Yeah. It's not going to be there for the rest of the year. The right. Rest, yeah. I think, um, and it would depend on, on who you ask, but I've never like cared too much what happened with them. I knew, cause once you, at least like you paint them in a public setting mm-hmm. and I was kind of, 
figured after that that they weren't mine anymore necessarily okay like i had done them but like now it's like it's the streets <laughs> you know like the, i like that the people will deal with it what they will because it always it always gets tagged something always happens right and and it never bothered me too much you'd be like damn like i i wish they hadn't blasted like maybe they could have tagged in the corner or something <laughs> like yeah. but I, I just figured it wasn't after i painted it it wasn't mine anymore that's interesting do you feel like that has anything to do with like you know creating a service for the community like i'm creating this art for everyone here and now it's out in the world and like you said it's not like yours anymore yeah i it's it's both because i at least for me i know that like i'm i'm also selfish with it sure like this is for the community sure or like for the company or or who whatever it's for you know whoever it's for but in the end i'm the one painting it yeah so if it that's a plus but i think it's always for me first which well there's a reason you're an artist like you know it obviously brings you a certain level of like happiness and fulfillment so Mm -hmm. yeah of course it's for you as well yeah but i've always thought of it me first i guess in that sense um it wasn't i used to work for a a non-profit called urban artworks they show me the whole thing about murals and like and we're working with kids out of like juvenile detention and Mm. on like kind of like a work work release programs and working directly with the courts and so you're doing a lot of things with community but you're also painting these murals and some of them were my murals a lot of them were other artists that i was helping um and that felt when i was doing that with them that felt like a connection yeah that felt like i was doing something with within the community and that you know what that was more reciprocal but since i've left them and started doing my own thing more um yeah it just feels like yeah (laughs) just me out there yeah that's cool so um Before we get into your art history, which I do have questions about, I want to backtrack a little bit and do a little beer history with you. Um, So there's this thing I like to call the gateway beer. Yep. Do you have, because I mean like, so we both work in the craft beer industry. Yeah. Um, You know, what, did you like ever have an experience with a certain beer that kind of changed your mind about like what beer could be or like oh like beer doesn't have to be shitty it can actually be something that i have an experience with do you ever have like a beer or like i don't know a certain brewery that kind of changed your mind about what beer is yeah um i well i think it's like a two-part one for me because i remember being at so i was like i think i was still in high school or just out of high school and it was at like some reggae concert in the park in seattle and um someone handed me like a mac and jack and i'd never even heard like at yeah. that point in my life i knew there was like budweiser and rainier maybe yeah. and i was like what is like what is, and it wasn't the same color and they're like oh it's good like just drink it and it tasted delicious but i had no idea about like alcohol percentage or anything at that time yeah um but that kind of rung with me i was like yeah i had a craft beer you know so <laughs> tell me yeah. i was like i don't drink rainier and everyone's like you're at 19 shut up <laughs> so and then but then much much later and that, at that point i'm still just drinking whatever the bar has yeah but aslan um really was the first time that anyone had like introduced with like any sort of knowledge like this is what you're drinking and this is like mm-hmm. things to look for and yeah and it was when they were brewing out of a like a u-haul storage yeah. container <laughs> it yes. was, i forget what it was it's was, like one of their pale ales or whatever but um that's one of the first times that someone was like yeah so this is what you're drinking and this is how beer is made and right this, and this is what we're doing and i, and I said oh yeah, this does taste nice. Right. Yeah. So did you, like, how did you make this connection with Aslan? Like, did you know the dudes before? I did, but this train's going to fuck us up here. Okay, okay, let's pause. It's only going to get louder and louder. 
So this is the train that goes by multiple, multiple times a day, every few hours. And it rattles the building. It is. I feel it beneath my feet. And I swear sometimes they're doing it just to be dicks. Like this. <laughs> No one's in the way ever, and they just let it go. Yeah, there's just like zero pedestrians yeah. downstairs. Yeah, there's nothing going on. Uh, I got involved with Aslan just by going up to Bellingham with friends for parties. Nice. <laughs> and um, a group of those guys were already kind of living together, the, the owner and the brewer. Um, they were already friends. And yeah, it was like a 4th of July and had a couple of like crazy days with them. Yeah. And then I just kept going back and they're like, we're going to start a brewery and we're doing this. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, I don't, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then I left, I was working at the time as a mechanic. So I left for a few months. And when I came back, they're like, Hey, we have a, like a brewery operating now in like in Bellingham. Um, and you should come up and like do some art for us. Fuck yeah. And that was kind of like the initial thing. Yeah. I really like how much of a like organic experience that was it's not so much of like this is our vision this is what we need like yeah now we need to go find that person it, it was just like we like you we like your energy we want you to do something for us yeah well it was years before i met them before the like years before they even started brewing in the storage like container okay, or whatever yeah. it was so this i got to see the whole yeah the whole evolution the whole thing yeah um and i wasn't even like i wasn't that close with them it was like party friends <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, was like people you yeah. you drank with on the weekends you're like oh uh-huh. you like you know they're here like right tight. yeah uh, but because of yeah because of the art and because of them bringing me up more and more like it kind of evolved and yeah th- i feel like that makes sense to me too because i feel like your artwork is kind of more about a feeling than anything else at least yeah. that's my experience yeah. with it is like it kind of it sets a mood it, it it's like kind of vague but in a way that gives you enough space as a consumer to kind of create your own story with it yeah i think that's the maybe not intentionally sure because i'd say most of the time i don't know what i'm doing with it like i guess as i'm feeling it out too going oh shoot like this is weird or like it sucks or i like it or right um but i like i like when people can interpret it their own way right um so what was like the first thing you did for aslan in terms of artwork the um if you remember yeah i do it was uh it was a mural it was like nice. the in the first it was the first mural i had ever done cool. and this was many years before urban artworks uh-huh. so i was still a mechanic on the ships then and i would drive up on the weekends and just paint they had like the whole back wall of the brewery mm-hmm. and they're like hey you can just kind of go for it um and i was like i don't really i've never really done a mural before and jack was like yeah, like fuck it, man. I don't like just. <laughs> I don't care. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. He's like, we've never made a brewery before, you right. know. So like, yeah. yeah. So, so that was a big part. Yeah, that was huge for me to do something that big because up until that point, all I'd ever done is like little sketchbook stuff on like pages. Mm-hmm. Um, was yeah. that a hard transition to move working with spray paint? The, none of that was spray paint. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, I just I didn't start using spray paint till like this summer. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. dude, it looks so good. When I like watched that video that you posted about that like mural you were working on, I was like, I just assumed that's what you've always been working no, with. No, no, no. It was like, a cool part of both of ours histories. Right. But I like I I did it with a brush and I was using like ink for some reason because I thought <laughs> I was like I really want to get like. <laughs> like into it with this you know i want to like yeah. use ink and like go line for line 
and it just took for fucking ever and, it was, and it was way too small like there's a bunch of things um so i didn't start using spray paint until, like f- until this, this summer like r- just before i left australia uh-huh was when i started using it did you like how was that transition did it feel like liberating having like a way that i don't know it seems a little bit easier to press something than it is to like have your hand over a paintbrush or a pen yeah. you know it goes i'd say it goes both ways because yeah. the the brush stuff is maybe a little bit slower depending on what you're doing and spray paint's like kind of meant to be like mm-hmm. quick yeah like get it up there and make it like bold right um but they both like the the amount of like weird little pressure it takes to yeah squeeze it's it like nuanced yeah and i and i like geek out and watching people do that stuff yeah and I would work with a lot of guys or I had worked with people in urban artworks that were like masters of spray paint and I'd watch them do these things that look like magic. And I was yeah. like, well, how do you do it? And they're like, oh, it's can control man. Like just, you know, fucking <laughs> with me, just talking shit to me. <laughs> um, but it is, it's fun to, what I like about it now is that it's a new thing for me. And so it's challenging and scary. And I like, I make tons of mistakes now and it's not, not comfortable at all. Right. Which is makes it me want to do it more. Yeah. So the artwork you did at um, Aslan Seattle, that's spray paint? Yeah, like 90% of it. Yeah. I feel like I actually remember you working on it when I came in for my interview. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was working while they were doing everything. I was yeah. there the whole. And that's how I got an interview. Like, I showed up and was like joking with the owner. And I was like, hey, like, because I just got back and I was like broke. And I was like, hey, man, like, if you guys are hiring, like, hey, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, can you do an interview right now? <laughs> And I was like, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it's now or never, man. Like, can you do it right now? So I, I was like, okay. So we did like a full scene. I was like, all right, hold on. And I left the room and like they set up and I walked in and like introduced myself. To, and I already knew all these people. I was like, right. hello, I'm Connor. And we did a full interview and I guess I did well. You did. I got hired. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun to go full circle like that. Right. In that space. Yeah. Um, so... Is this like your first beer job? Not like I'm not just like contracted, like working with like beer people, but like directly working with beer. Have you ever done that before? Is this kind of like your first experience? This is no, I did this. This is like my second time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you worked in Australia, I right? Worked, yeah, yeah. I worked for stomping ground brewery in Australia in Melbourne and they were great. Um, and they kind of gave me my first like real in-depth run through. Mm-hmm. Like I had drank beer and like yeah. knew the owners of Ad- <laughs> whatever, but like I never. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they put us all through like the, the Cicerone training and Perfect. they had like weekly yes. beer school. And we had, shout out to Matt, the, he's not the manager anymore. He's down in, in WA, but he was like one of Australia's only Cicerones at the time. No shit. And now he's like a master Cicerone. Good and I want to say shout out to Matt because he like, he was our manager and he put us through the paces yeah. with beer stuff. And he knew so much about it that it made it like easy to learn from him, which I know is a difficult thing, but he could relate it to like my dumb ass was in there and he had me, he had me on it real quick. Yeah. Um, I think that is important in something that I've actually noticed a lack of, um, at least in Seattle, because we do have a pretty saturated brewery market um so there tends to be a lot of people who work for breweries that actually aren't that educated on beer 
which is fine. You could be a great bartender. You can be a great server without like being obsessive the way that I am. (laughs) But um, at the same time, like if I'm visiting a beer specific place, I want my server to be able to answer all my questions. So I I think that's great on them to really push that for people who's working behind the bar. Like I think that's super important. Yeah, it was it was so much fun, and and he like he made it fun, and the, the I mean it was a, a giant brewery and it was beautiful, yeah. and like that the the setting for everything was amazing, um, and that made it all really easy for me, because I <laughs> I'm sorry to say this to you, Matt, but I had lied on my resume a little bit, <laughs> um, and I had mentioned that I worked with Aslan Brewing, but not yeah. into what to what degree right yeah uh, and <laughs> you do matt, what you gotta do yeah and but and i knew some of the basics so matt was asking me questions and i was like oh yeah and he's like so you've worked in the beer industry and i was like oh yeah we're like yeah aslan brewing blah, blah, blah. he's like yeah man that's great like let's let's get you in here nice um but at the time i was like secretly i was like i don't really know anything mm-hmm. about anything yeah well and that's the thing is like you you kind of dive in and you it's a process of learning because you are surrounded by people with different levels of education. Even working behind a bar with someone else and listening to them talk about beer right. can be like a really good way for you to absorb it and yeah. be like, okay, so that that's something I didn't know and now I do know. Yeah, some <laughs> like, new insight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is like one of my favorite things about the beer industry is how community-based and like collaborative it is. Like it really does feel like a family, you know? Um, at least some of my best like co-working families have been our breweries right yeah that was going to australia my my girlfriend and i had just moved there didn't know anyone and i wasn't i was wasn't going to work for a while i was like i'm gonna chill and like try to make art yeah and then i went to this brewery and it was like beautiful and the beer was so good and i was like are you guys hiring i I, this is my first time in there or second time in there i think and i said are you guys hiring and they're like, yeah, the manager's right there if you want to talk to him. What? That yeah. never happens. Yeah, and this was another impromptu interview. I had no resume. Like, oh I sent God. it to him later. He's like, well, can you talk right now? And I was like, yep, okay. And so I'd been in Australia, like, less than two weeks, and I had a job. He's like, well, Damn. if you want the job, you, like, can you start tomorrow kind of thing? Wow. And I was like, yep, yeah, let's do, <laughs> let's do that. But all my friends, the every friend I made through Australia or in Australia was through the brewery. Yeah. And it was like some of the, some of my best friends right. to, to date were all people I worked with and then working at other breweries and like other breweries come in and you're helping them. And they're sending yes. you out. And yeah. Right. And then, um, you worked at a hop farm as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hop. <laughs> you were like harvesting. Yeah. I did like a, we helped this dude build in New Zealand. This is in New Zealand. Okay. Um, near like the, uh, uh what's it called? Like on the North tip of the South Island. Waka Pika, <laughs> Waka Pika River Hops. And we helped this dude. Um, and I got this job, as a side note, because of Stomping Ground Brewery in Melbourne. But um, got a job helping this guy build his hop processing plant. Oh, shit. Like, my girlfriend and I like helped literally build everything. And then we did a full hop harvest on top of that. Wow. Um, and it's brutal work. Yeah. And those hop vines are like the nastiest mm-hmm. meanest things oh yeah they're like gnarly invasive yeah and <laughs> thick and like when you yeah. and i swear to god when like you'd be in the trailer and they'd fall and they like they try to land like on your neck <laughs> they're like and like they'd fall like a jellyfish and they'd be like right here John, like karate chop you um and that was another but and that was brutal work that was like four months or whatever it was five months like all said and done that made me not like beer but it was fun to see 
what the other side of it is. Right. Drinking it out of a fucking can is real, not, like real easy. Oh, Nelson Savon hops. <laughs> or like, oh, mosaic. But like yeah. knowing that what those vi- those binds looked like and yes. how they attacked you and what they were, I was like, fuck them. <laughs> I drank wine like exclusively after <laughs> New Zealand for months. I didn't want a thing to do with it. That's really fucking funny. But it's also, I appreciate that your thought process is going, because of your experience is going into like, I don't want to consume this because I understand the process and fuck it. Yeah. And, be, and it inundates you. That, that hop resin yeah. um, it really does get everywhere. It's in the air. It's oh, in yeah. your mouth. It's Just in your hair. Just constantly sneezing. I threw away all my clothes after that. Like you couldn't wash it out. It oh was like God. all my work clothes were like Just sticky. sticky. Yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, it was gross to me. Mm-hmm. I wanted nothing of it. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think it is important, um, you know, to, understand the process because beer is such an intensive process to make um whereas wine is just fermenting grapes beer is such a multiple step process Mm -hmm. from like in farming so many different ingredients too it's a huge Um, agriculture thing right yeah Yeah, and i think that's like i mean it's one of the reasons why i like beer so much and why it can be so complex and why we have so many different styles um is because of all the different ingredients that go into it um but yeah being on the on the labor side of it right. i mean there's so much labor that goes into beer anyways but like from now the very beginning yeah, yeah yeah this is one of the first steps yes yeah. exactly and i thought it would i romanticized it so much in my head as well sure because it, it's you're in a beautiful area and when you first get there those smells like those citrus smells and those piney mm. smells you're like mm-hmm. oh yes and it's it's starting to come back for me yeah yeah but i romanticize it but it all it's just it's farm work it's yeah, like it's it hard. Is. It's, it's just true. physical labor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the, um, that romanticizing also happens with brewers too. Yeah. Like the people who are beer lovers, they, uh, but like don't quite understand the process or have never worked in a brewery. You know, you definitely kind of like worship the brewers a little bit, which is fair. Yeah. I don't brew. So like I understand how hard it is. Yeah, they're a little bit like wizards. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think people get that it's labor work. Yeah. Like brewing's not easy in the sense that, your shifts are fucking long. Yeah. You're constantly carrying grain bags around. You got to grain out. You got to like get the like hoe right. and dig it all out. Like yeah, you got to climb a ladder with like a big ass bag of hops to dry hop. Like it, it's a lot. And yeah. I don't think people really quite understand no. how and it is. Yeah. Because it comes out of this shiny, exactly. nice tap and like, yes. Broth- and everyone's like, Ooh, right. Yeah. But if you, I did. They they tricked me in at the brewery in Australia a couple of times. Like, Hey, do you want to help the brewer in the back? Yeah. And I was right. like, Oh fuck it. Like, and you just yeah you're just a physical laborer like yeah. it's like general we just yeah. need someone to like move these heavy things and <laughs> shift this over here and clean this and i was like but what am i brewing he's like oh this is all part of it mate like and i was yeah. like yeah i feel like right now i'm just, <laughs> just doing like all the things bitch, you don't okay. want to do yeah <laughs> which is probably exactly what it was but that's all like that's a part of it too it, was it like, is yeah I, and you, you can made. talk to any brewer and they'll tell you 90 percent of brewing is cleaning yeah oh, a lot of cleaning a yeah. lot of cleaning um Cool. Well, I also wanted to talk a little bit about like your art history. Um, maybe we could finish the Doppelbach here and then we can open up our second beer and kind of get into a little yes. bit more of your artwork. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. So we're moving on to our second beer that we're doing. We're back. Uh, we are back. Um, and wh- I didn't even, I just saw that there was a goat on this label. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is. Okay. So um, I was looking in the, in the bottle shops foreign section mm. uh it was like a s- japan's specific section tight um and i saw oh shoot well there's cranes on this side i oh. didn't s- 
didn't even realize <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Until just now. But I wanted another. So we have the Doppelbach. And I was like, oh, I want an amber or a red or something yeah. like this. And then I saw this uh, Ichigo beer from Japan. Tight. And it also had a goat on the front. And I was like, well, that's pretty. It's thematic. Yeah. So that's going to work. Um, cool. So this is a red ale from uh, Ichigo, Japan. Niigata. I looked him up. Um, not didn't find too much about the brewery slash didn't look too hard about the brewery. <laughs> I mainly just wanted to see where Nagita was, Nagita, Japan. Yeah, where is it? Uh, it's on the west coast, like directly north, almost directly north of Tokyo. Okay, cool. So, but on the other side of Japan. Right. Um, but I've never had anything from them. But Japan, Japanese beer, and they're coming into the craft beer thing like pretty mm-hmm. heavily. Um, and I think they're just going to make some stellar yeah, you know, I'm not familiar with a lot of Japanese breweries, but I am quite aware of how they're expanding their yeah. craft beer um, like industry in the yeah. sense that they're buying a lot of American beers. So, well, so that that's the major. So Japan for a long time was run like uh, Hitori, uh-huh. or uh, there was like three main. It would be like our Coca-Cola, Got and it. They, or Suntory. Sorry. So Suntory, or there's a couple other ones, Ichiban, I think, yeah. where they'd make whiskey, sake, right. blah, blah, like, and then and rice and what the yeah, fuck yeah, ever yeah. else. Um, and they owned everything. Right, so it's like all, a vertical integration. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. All, they would put it out as a different beer, but it was a Suntory company. Right, right, right. Um, it's just like what Anheuser-Busch does here. Exactly. Um, and so, But now Japan, at least, and this is years ago, I'm sure they're doing crazier now, but are really starting to do like their own independent. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, because Centauri was smart enough to be like, this is another independent brewery that we own. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's our like kind of thing. Yeah. But now it's actual independent um, right. guys. Dope. All right, well, let's crack, crack this, this open. Oh. Extra fizzy. Good clarity. It's the perfect color for a red ale. Tell this light, because we got... It's <laughs> like disco lighting in here. Yeah. <laughs> and just like hanging bulbs. Yeah, hanging bulbs, <laughs> uh, black lights, and other random. Yeah. Cheers. All right, cheers. This one smells really grainy. Super grainy. Not much body to it. It's pr- like. Very light. Yeah. Yep. On the thinner side. I, I understand the appeal in terms of like just being able to yeah. easy drink a beer. And also after this, this Doppelbach, it might taste. It's definitely not as complex. Um, it is very simple. So this is something that I, and we've talked about this, but just trying to have enough like adjectives at your disposal to name right. the beer yeah. is like, I think one of the initial things that people could get into with learning. About For sure. Beer. Yeah. I mean, with this one, because it, it is so simple, I don't even have like too many tasting notes with no. it. You know, it's like light body, easy drinking it's not hoppy at all there's like no hop aroma there's no, no hop bitterness um so and the yeah. flavor doesn't stick around very long it either. isn't it yeah. pr- it dissipates for sure so is this i mean ichigo's never gonna hear about this <laughs> it was like would you consider this uh I don't know, how, how do you say it? like is this a good beer you know what i mean like would you right is this well, a good example of a red maybe that's the more specific yeah um i don't think it is yeah i it, it kind of tastes like um, some home brews I've had before, which is like no shade. Uh, like, right. I I love my homebrew friends. It's a really great community, and it's something that should continue forever. Um, but it it, it feels like elementary. Yeah. There's no um flaws. There's yeah. no off flavors, but there isn't anything that is really 
making it stand out. It's like the base level. Exactly. Uh, the very thing you should build off of. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is a good starting yeah, point, but yeah. there's several things that could be improved right. on for sure. But, you know, like, I'm not really sure what the Japanese beer drinking market's like. Like, maybe this is what succeeds really well there because their palates are different than true. us. yeah. You know, and it's like, it's very easy, um, at least for me, but also I think for American drinkers and West Coast drinkers specifically, we um, are accustomed to a lot more bitter beers. So when there isn't any bitterness, it can be... It almost right. feels like, well, where is this extra layer that I'm used to? Yeah, the palettes is set totally for a different right. thing. Right. And right now, especially, I mean, in the U.S., like across the board, <clears throat> dry hopping is like almost essential in every beer that has a lot of hops in it. So you're use, dry hopping, the, the point of it is that you get really great aromatics from it because it's not really bittering the beer. You're just getting the flavor and you're getting yeah. the smell. So I think also to like have a beer that isn't as enticing with like any aroma yeah. is kind of like meh. disappointing a little bit, yeah, a little bit. But also like I do try to check myself a lot to be like, you know, you have to consider the style that you're drinking, right? And you have to consider where it's coming from yeah. and what those and who's usually drinking it, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's definitely it, it can be very easy to be like oh, I don't like this or yeah. like mm, I've had so much better. This isn't right, right? Um, but you know, I, I do think it's important to think about like where it's yeah. actually coming from. Yeah, there was a there was like a a Chinese section as well in this in this bottle mm-hmm. shop, which is great. But they had like the the sing sing or whatever, like yeah. the elephant beer. All yeah. one. And I contemplated getting one of those just because it's funny to talk about those beers because they inherently are like you'd say like oh there's flaws or they're lacking this or this. But it's like well maybe those are like they're spot on for what they right. are. Right, right, right. So that, like for a cheap taiwan beer like that's (laughs) yeah nailed it for sure yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, no doubt um so yeah speaking of japan um i feel like just knowing you for a little while i feel like you might be influenced from japanese art and culture and you said that you've been there before maybe you can like kind of elaborate on your influences or any artists that or from your travels Mm. that may have kind of inspired you a little bit yeah japan I like traveling in general because it does inspire you and I can look, you were talking about earlier, you can look back at um, like podcasts or you can look back at old things and yeah. see where you were right. kind of thing. And I feel that way with art. Like, Oh, I, that, I was definitely living in Japan when I was making that art. I was living in like Australia, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Japan was, yeah, I lived there for like five months or so. And I was working at that time as a mechanic on like aircraft carriers for Damn. the navy for so the navy? yeah i was i worked on like nuclear i was a nuclear pipe fitter <laughs> for the navy um and would do like work on the reactors and reactor systems for aircraft carriers Jesus Christ. and it was crazy it was the cr- mind-blowing stuff um not always in a good way and <laughs> and so but i was living in uh yakuska japan a few hours like south of tokyo and had like my own little apartment and just like commuted to work and had like just lived in japan and that was great because as a kid i was always fascinated with japan so i didn't get there until much later in my life but as a kid i was like loved anime i was like in the anime club in junior high until (laughs) until like all my friends like yo you can't you can't be in the anime club man i was like what i love it and they're like no you can't play basketball and be in the anime club and i said okay i'll play basketball um you can though 
Yeah, I wish I. Well, I did. For I wish I would have done it longer. I wish I would have been like, "Fuck you, I'm both. I'm gonna do both of these things." I mean, like when you're a teenager, it's so tough to like yeah. just want to fit in. At the time, like, there was no option. Exactly. One friend said it, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, yep, yeah, you're right. What have I done?" Shame. But uh, yeah, lots of influence from Japan, anime and like the woodblock prints and just their whole aesthetic. I think is just the architecture is all beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I try to. I mean, there's bits of that and there's bits of everything else. There's where the wild things are, like Marie Sendak, yeah. Shel Silverstein are like two people that like big influence <laughs> for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Um, you just want to incorporate all of it, I think, if you can. Right. And yeah, I think for a lot of artists, I assume that it's not just one influence. That can be an easy question for an interviewer, like, who are your influences? But the fact is, is it's not just one thing or one point. It's an accumulation of your life experience and like how yeah. much you've absorbed different types of art. Truly. Yeah. And I think that as an artist, it seems like at a certain level, you're kind of just like working off your like subconsciousness. Like you're maybe yeah. you don't even quite know where this influence is coming from or like what direction you're even taking this piece of art. Yeah. But you're just kind of like following your gut and following your artistry until something happens. Yeah. That's, I mean that, that really kind of spot on. There's like, there's moments of like, you feel really confident. Mm-hmm. You're like, I know what, I know what this is about to be. Yeah. And then you hit this weird moment where you're like, uh, like I, I think I might be losing it. And you, and then you definitely hit a moment of like, I've completely lost it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm gone at sea now. I'm in mm-hmm. like a life raft. <laughs> but then, and then it kind of comes back to you and it, it took a long, it took years and years for me to even realize that pattern. Right. I'd be like, why is this happening to me? Like, yeah. I should just know what I'm doing like the whole time. And now I've kind of realized that maybe, and maybe this is just for me, but like now I've just, I've realized that it's a bit more of a, an up and down kind of journey thing. Yeah. For and sure. I have to have a little bit more confidence, like knowing that, yeah, you probably will be fully, um, like outside your comfort zone, but hopefully you can rein it back in. And right. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too, is just like having a level of confidence in your work to know that like, I don't know what's happening right now, but like, I know what I've done before. Yeah. So I just got to follow. I've straight, I've straight up done that. Looked at (laughs) like if I'm in the midst of a mural that I feel really scared about, I'll look back at another mural I did almost as like a little pick me up, like a pep talk. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, fuck yeah. You did that. Okay. Yeah. We can probably do this. We can, (laughs) because you, I get fully scared. I get to, I get like, like you just want to stop. You're like, I'm going to go home. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's kind of like the artist process. It's not linear at all. No. Um, did you, were you always into art? Were you always like drawing as a kid or like at what yeah. point did you really feel like this was something you wanted to pursue? Definitely always. My mom was always pushing. I remember like every birthday and Christmas, you got sketchbooks yes. and pens and colored pencils it. and lots of comic books, lots of Calvin and Hobbes and uh-huh. like, um, far side like gary larson comics <laughs> uh and i was those were always gifts like for me and my brother uh-huh. so always been drawing um, yeah and kind of lost it for a bit like started playing basketball and then like pursued that the university and stuff mm-hmm. but then after after all of that um and i didn't draw for years and years wow really um like didn't even think about it was just kind of working and yeah i don't know what i was doing but and then one day it just clicked it was like oh you know what like this makes me really happy to be making art and it makes me feel like a bit more sane in this world to be making art yeah so i just kind of started doing it um and like tried to tell myself to do it more and more and it kind of snowballed 
Right. Yeah. And I think too, um, at least for, uh, people I've noticed that are talented and they enjoy art, but don't either do it enough or get intimidated by it. So then you don't really practice like the idea of practice. Is that something for you or is it just like a natural, like, I feel like I've seen you like doodle at work or whatever. So is it something that's just like consistently a part of your life or were you at a point at at one point in your life where you were like, I have to practice, I have to get up and draw, I haven't drawn today, you know, mm. like, where's, you know, that, that's kind of yeah. like a fine line. Yeah, I, it was, I think, again, it was both because it was, um, like, when I was working as a mechanic, that took up, and like other jobs, that takes up your life kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that's like, it was like 50 or 60 hours a week at least, and your life revolved around that, but I was always drawing. I was like drawing little pictures on the ships and on pa- like I get yelled at for drawing on paperwork and like <laughs> I've always been doodling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like and sometimes I'd catch like a spirit and like draw something bigger, but it wasn't until um, like and the and this is another thing back to Aslan. Jack, the owner of Aslan, was like, we were talking about what we wanted to do, and I was like, I would like love to just be making art and not working on these fucking ships yeah and he's like well what what would happen if you spent like 40 or 30 hours a week just making art you know as as opposed to the opposite and i was blown away i was like oh my god i never even thought about it like that and so he kind of got me into the reverse mode where whereas i used to be doodling when i whatever yeah now i I, then i quit the shipyard yeah i came back from japan actually and quit the shipyard and then i just quit and started waking up and being like okay today you're gonna do you know you're gonna do five hours of drawing whether you like it or not and you're (laughs) gonna do that every day and it was in this like in the studio down the hall and so i would just wake up and draw like if i hated it whatever yeah and then kind of so force myself to practice i guess right and try to treat it as a job yeah that's the hardest part about being either a freelancer or an artist or both um is like really it's it's your art and you're good at it but like having to force yourself to do it to like you know it's like a hustle and it can be really tough to like stay motivated when you're not like i have to show up at the office at this time or else i'm fired yeah i i I think uh and i'm terrible with time management in this regard like i i could lay around all day and like i feel like that's a it's very much like an artistic creative sort of person thing is like Time doesn't mean shit. <laughs> but it, yeah, it doesn't mean shit until you're like, oh, you know what? I haven't been paid in a month or like <laughs> or I got rent cut or whatever. And then you're yeah, like, yeah. I should be doing something. But I try to what I think what helped me and this is like a weird revert, but I just try to think about it like sports where I, I was mm. like, man, if you if you work out and like practice and blah, blah, blah you get better. Yeah, it's at exactly basketball. And so and that's and it sounds dumb and simple, but like. I was like, I'm just going to treat it like that. I'm just going to practice it and hopefully I'll get better at it. Well, and that's the thing, like it is simple it's not easy but it's a simple concept like, yeah. yeah like you do you practice and you get better that's right. just how it's it the is 10,000 hours thing it's like the, yes. the master th- yeah yes um, exactly and it, you know i want to approach it with a more like artistic spiritual like right oh, i'm like and sometimes i feel moved to do something but mm-hmm. mostly i just think about it as like well i'm just gonna i gotta do it today yeah don't want to but like i'm gonna draw today or i'm gonna paint right. or i'm gonna yeah and like i'm sure you have ebbs and flows of uh you know creativity you know for me my like art form quote unquote is writing so it's like there's so many times where like i have a story that like i it's in my head and it's there but i can't get it down on paper or like in my computer and um 
yeah, like writer's block is a real fucking thing. Artist block is a real fucking thing. Oh yeah. You know, and so it's tough because there's some times where you're just like, it's not working today. Like yeah. none of this is working. And then there's some times where it's 11 p.m. and you get the spark and you're like, I'm up all night right. because I can't stop. Like the train is here and yeah. it's moving. And if I don't get on, it's it's going to leave me right. behind. And it's just pouring out. Right. Right. Yeah. Those are. I mean, you got to cherish those moments. Yeah, <laughs> you do, yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's like also the hard thing because like you don't necessarily control it. It just happens when it happens and you have to like yep. take it by the reins. Yep. And <laughs> There's a an author that I like, uh, Tom Robbins. He's a bit of a like a full-blown, he's a kook. But <laughs> he had a, a line in one of his books. I can't remember which one, but he was just saying, you, you have to leave the window open for some for some magic to come in. He's mm-hmm. like, and some people leave the whole fucking like roof off to let some magic in but like at the very least you got to leave a window open and i like for some inspiration or something yeah and so i've been trying to treat it like that where like maybe i don't want to when i start but hopefully like by the end of it like i've left the window open like i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. saying like come on let's and maybe that something will come from that right yeah yeah and sometimes you just have to like keep at it even if you're not feeling it and yeah. just like keep at it until something happens right. and you're like oh there it is. Even just one thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'll get some dumb one rant, like some small thing that I like, and go, you know what? Like f- that's enough for today. I right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I found this one little thing I liked. Yeah, uh, because that's still a success. Yeah, and I can walk away from that feeling. Right. Absolutely. Kind of happy. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up with um a segment I like to do called "This is like totally going away from art." Fine. <laughs> but, um, I'm ready. Um, a segment I call "Drunchies." Okay. Which is um, drunk munchies. Yep. So, um, what is your go-to for like when you've been out drinking, you've been hanging out? Yeah. Um, it's been a good night, and the hunger strikes. You know, whether it's you at home already, or maybe you're still out. You need to hit somewhere. You need mm. to hit like a little mart on the corner. What's kind of your go-to? If I'm if I'm out, it's always pizza. Yeah. And whatever, it doesn't matter. It could be Seven Eleven pizza, <laughs> and I'd probably be like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> uh, pizza always tricks me. A hundred percent of the time, it tricks me. But if I'm home and I'm drunk, uh, I'm making toast and eggs. Toast and eggs every yes. time. Scrambled eggs, fried eggs, whatever. Like toast, avocado, and eggs with some barbecue sauce. Ooh. I don't know why, but that like, my I could be on the verge of shouldn't be cooking, and I can like <laughs> autopilot that. <laughs> <laughs> I can chop some bread up and like toast it and like keep my eyes closed and like get the eggs going. <laughs> it's just a feel. Yeah. And then like you don't clean any of it up, but no, you wake no up in the morning like and you go, oh, yep. I see what I did. At that point, though, it's probably good that you put something in your stomach. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than yeah. just be like completely sick the next morning. Yeah, fully hollow. Yeah. What's what's your what's your drunchy? Um, I've really lately I've been on hot Cheetos. Whoa. Like flame and hot Cheetos. Flame and hot Cheetos. Absolutely. Do you put hot sauce in the bag and shake it up? <gasps> no, I've only done that with like barbecue chips. Okay. Because that's bomb. Like yeah. barbecue and hot sauce. Yeah. I haven't done it because you know it like flame and hot Cheetos aren't that spicy. So no. they could use a little bump. You you splash some sriracha, whatever you prefer, mm-hmm. like spices in there, shake the bag up. Yeah. Your hands are gonna be fucked, but oh, that your flavor. hands are already fucked if you're True. eating hot Cheetos. But so. when they're a little bit sticky <laughs> now, yeah, it's like a full but that will get you a whole other uh mm, I gotta try that next. Echelon. Yeah, it's because I I grew up in a very health conscious household, so it was kinda like ingrained in my brain that I not allowed to eat those things. Right. So I think like once I get uninhibited, yeah, I'm like yeah, I need to eat the things. I was <laughs> I'm in control to. now. Yes, like I, these are the things I need to be eating. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, that's kind of been like my guilty pleasure lately. I, I'm so I'm right up the street from Supreme Pizza, and they're open late, and it's already a bar, and, and the pizza's good. Uh huh. And yeah, you can come home like real late and be like, shoot, I can still skip over to Supreme. Yeah. And I'll have a piece while I'm waiting for my to-go order. Dude, and it, and it gets that's real. <laughs> yeah, it gets real. <laughs> you come back home and you're like, oh man, I've made a big mistake. I think. I am still an advocate though. To I'd rather eat shitty food while i'm drunk than not eat at all because yep. then you're just yeah. asking for a disaster yeah yeah you're doubling down on pain right yeah no get some shitty food in you while you're drunk but and then you just try to avoid it as best you can when you're sober exactly and you, it balances out maybe that's like, um i think that's the goal okay for sure <laughs> <laughs> um cool well i mean Thanks for sharing some beers with me. Yeah. Giving me some insight about your artistic process. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. It's been super fun. We still have a little bit of beer left in our glasses, but I think we should cheers. Yeah. Clink the end of this. Cheers. Cheers.